As a kid growing up in Louisiana, I remember several times when my parents would inform me that we're going to make a quick trip to your grandparents' house. That was because prior to the trip we were about to make, someone else had already made another trip further south to the Gulf with coolers. And were on their way back with those coolers filled with shrimp. Isn't that beautiful? And so my aunts and my uncles and my cousins, we would, we would all converge at my grandparents' house where for weeks we would peel shrimp. Okay, maybe it was just all day. But for a kid, it felt like a long time and a lot of peeling of shrimp. But thus began my experience and love as a kid for shrimp. I just grew up eating shrimp, all right? And in case you don't know, shrimp is the fruit of the sea. You can barbecue it, broil it, boil it, bake it, saute it, right? Bubba was right about the shrimp. I like it in gumbo, in etouffee, but I'm declaring to you today that I have an absolute favorite now. It is shrimp in a sauce. And in particular, it's called Yucatan sauce. Yucatan sauce means it's both spicy and it's tangy. And when the shrimp are gone, you look forward to taking that piece of bread and just let her dive into that super good sauce. And man, if you have to, get a straw. You know what I'm saying? Just don't leave any sauce in the bowl. Somewhere along the way, I learned this phrase, that sauce is so good, it would make a stick taste good. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever had a dish where the sauce was so good that it seemed like it would make anything taste good? My question today is, what if there was a secret sauce For life. A secret sauce that you could put on any circumstance of life and you still be able to say, I have joy. No matter what you're going through, I have joy. Well, in our study of Philippians, which we've been running through this book all year long, but we have come to a section of Scripture where the Apostle Paul is declaring to us, there is a secret sauce. He's like, I know the secret. And the good news is, you can get it. And that's what I want to give you today. I'm so grateful that you are here truly am. For those of you who are joining us online, wherever that may be, we are grateful that we could be together. I hope that you're enjoying the season. Are you? It's December, and before you know it, that's going to be over. So I just want to encourage you to slow down enough that you can take in a little bit of every day of this season and truly enjoy it with the people 
that God has blessed you with around you. I want to send a, a quick shout out. The experience of Christmas on the square last night in Harrisonville was off the chain good. Just super. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I just, I'm thankful to everybody who was a part of that, which there was a lot of folks across Heart of Life who, who uh, helped to be a part of that last night. It, you did an amazing job. That is a beautiful picture of the body in action where you got all kinds of gifts, people who have the vision to do it, people with administrative gifts to put it together, uh, folks who are, are, have hospitality gifts, people who are great at connecting with people. And just last night was one of those pictures where when all that comes together, it really does look like the body of Christ on the mission to which he has called us. That's beautiful. I say, Let's do it again this weekend. What do you think? Follow the shepherd again this weekend. That is the picture um, that we are praying for and grateful that we get to be a part of. If you have not invited anybody yet, if you have not made a reservation, come on. Get on there. Get the reservations going. Tell some folks. Um, it, I think it's going to be um, just truly something remarkable that God wants to do in us and through us as his church. All right? Y'all ready to go to work? Go Chiefs? All right? I'm a little concerned about this one. Because the dude on the other side, he's a bad man. I'm just telling you. He's a, I, 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 so Chiefs, don't hurt him. Just beat him. That's my, that's my goal. All right? So here's the context of what we're about to read. Jesus' followers in the place of Philippi. Philippi is a city. That's why this little letter is called Philippians. They have just chosen to bless the Apostle Paul. He's in prison, and they've blessed him by sending some financial help to him because you got to eat when you're in prison. The prison in that day wasn't like prison today. And they sent this guy named Epaphroditus to him, which when you read Epaphroditus' story, you're like, man, that's the kind of guy you want with you at all times. What we're about to read is Paul's response, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I greatly rejoice in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. There it is. He's like, don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying to you right now is not because of my circumstance in life that has me so frustrated and, and, and so discouraged that it is only the gift of your money that you have sent that suddenly gives me joy. He's like, nope. He's like, I, I am already joyful. I'm already happy. My joy is not dependent on your money. My happiness is not dependent on my circumstances. Let's keep reading. Verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Right? We've learned, Paul's repeating this, this, this principle, he's like, whether, whether I have a lot or, or whether I am in want, he's like, look, I, there's joy for me. 
And the question is, how can this be? And he gives us the answer right in the middle there. He says, I have learned the secret. That's why we called this series The Secret. I've learned this secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He's like, I got the secret sauce. His name is Jesus. And I can because he is. I can do this no matter whether I'm in prison or whether I'm at the greatest celebrating place in my life or all that I, I, I can because he is. I can even choose to be happy in prison through Jesus who strengthens me. And so the way we said it last week is a way that we've learned to um, say what Paul is describing here throughout the years it is Jesus who creates the miracle, right? The fact, the miracle that I can, I, I can be happy in, in need or, or in plenty, but he calls me to act that miracle. It's through him. We don't pull this off without him, but we can because he is. And so I'm going to bring back my, my sauce uh, just for a second, because I, I want to make sure that we get this. Um, I want you to know that when it comes to the Yucatan sauce that I love so very much, it didn't originate with me. It didn't. It, I, I found it one time when our family was traveling and we went to this restaurant and I ordered the Yucatan sauce on the shrimp and that was the moment that I fell in love. And every time we would go back to that area, I would go back and get the Yucatan. Sometimes, multiple times, if we were there, more than six hours, right? You could go multiple times and get it if you need be. And then I discovered they put it in bottles that you can order. And they will ship. And so now I can get it even when I don't travel to that place. I can't get it right now because of the hurricane. So we're praying for recovery, for your Yucatan sauce to be able to be shipped again. All right? So when I get the bottle now of Yucatan sauce and I, I, we pour the, 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 the sauce into the pan and add a, add a little lime juice and you add a little butter and you stir Now, don't, don't make sure you get this clear. The sauce didn't originate with me. And I'm not even really making the sauce better because the butter and the lime juice are not my idea. It, like, tells you to do that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is what you put in it. I, I'm not even making the sauce better. I want you to understand that it is the same way as we are talking about contentment in any and every circumstance, that we could have joy because of the contentment that we have. That sauce doesn't originate with you and me. That's Jesus. 
This is, this is God who does this. And what I'm about to describe to you today is not even us making it better. He's the one that, that is responsible for all of that in its goodness. What he calls us to is to stir. Stir the sauce. He's like, I'm, I'm giving you what you need. I'm calling you to act the miracle. I'm calling you to stir the sauce. And so today, I simply want to help us take another step from where we were and what we learned last week, and let's stir the sauce. How do we act the miracle of contentment in every circumstance? This could be a big list. I'm just going to give you three today. Here's the first one. We got to learn to kill comparison. You want to stir the sauce of contentment in any and every circumstance? You got to learn to kill comparison. I'm saying comparison because comparison fuels envy. When we start comparing our circumstances to other people's circumstances, it will fuel an envy, and that envy then leads to discontentment. Now, comparing is nothing new, it's not a new game, it's always been a game that people play. But it is different in this day when we have access to so much comparison. It used to be that we could only compare to the people that we actually physically saw, right? Now we can compare everything. We, we can compare how people travel to the way we travel. How people's popularity, people's fitness, their family, their marriage, their work, their clothes, their food... So somebody posts a picture of a cake that they just baked. But when you look at the picture, you don't see the cake. You see the amazing kitchen in the background of that picture, and you're like, that is the kitchen that I want to have. Right? Somebody sees... Somebody else who's able to maybe um, stay home with their kids during the week, having time with their children, and the person who's watching that happens is the person who's having to work a, a career and just extra hours to make ends meet, and they look at the other one and they, they envy and they, they, they wish they could have time with their kids like that. The person who has time with their kids looks at the person who has their career and they admire what they have accomplished and they so wish that they too could pursue a career that way because quite honestly, they deal with their kids all day long and they haven't, haven't actually seen another adult in a month. Right? Always comparing, which can fuel envy which leads to a discontentment. And when we compare, we never win. Never have so many people had so much and yet want so much more. Somebody said, when we do that comparing, it's, it's like we are comparing our behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel. You realize that? You see what they post it's, it's their highlight reel. But you compare and you analyze and suddenly there's envy. Here's what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
He said, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. And he's just getting at, there's a whole context behind this, but no human standard is the answer. Only Jesus' approval provides the peace that we seek. Only his approval. Comparison will tell us that you, you got, there, there must be more. You, you must achieve certain levels in order to be happy. Last week I told you, sometimes it feels like many of the people that I see, we're, we're all trying to get to the land of Ur, right? I'd be happy if I were rich, Ur. I'd be happy if I were skinny, Ur. If I were smart, Ur. If, I, if my job was bet, Ur. If my car was nice, er, if my house was big, er, then I'd be happy. And one after another, we, we, we reach those things, we pass those things, we move on to the next er, and it never fully satisfies. It's because it's a myth. It will never satisfy. Jesus died so that we could stop chasing the myth and start following him. Some of, some of us have been chasing Ur for so long. Come on, it's not hard for me to convince you it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I want you to see there's something bigger behind the chase that you are on. This verse jumped out to me this week. I just want to reference it. James chapter 3, verse 14, he says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, he's being sarcastic, all right? He's like, this ain't wisdom. But such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and then there's one more word there. What is it? Interesting. Demonic. You ever associated envy? With the demonic? Like this, this, this bitter envy, right? For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. It is one of those places in Scripture where we are reminded that an envy and a discontentment, it is demonic activity. It, it, it is an enemy tactic. It is an enemy tactic. Right? Anything that leads you away from the heart of your God. What is the enemy's tactic? It is to steal and kill. That's what he does. And that's what this pursuit of Ur, right, leads us. It is this journey that really is a myth that just leads to destruction. And so, so maybe, maybe just some practical things for some of you. Every once in a while, take a break. From social media. Seriously. Take a break. Some of you do that. We have conversations and I admire you. Some of you every once in a while, it's just a part of the practice that you, you teach yourself. You, you are learning, right? That, that you can take a break from that and it, and it helps you in this regard. Some of you may need to intentionally hide, right, the feed of certain people or whatever that may be because you know that triggers this envy thing for you that leads to discontentment. 
Some of y'all just need to quit watching the home improvement shows. Because every time you watch the home improvement shows, now listen, if you watch the home improvement shows and it's like just, wow, that is joy. That, that is so much fun to do that. But if what it does in you is just goes, and our house looks like this. I wish our house looked like, I wish we had the money to do this. I, I wish we could do that. If that's what it does to you, like, stop. Stop. Right? Some of you may need to just delete a few few shopping apps. Just delete them. I know you like to you like to go to the boat show. I'm treading on serious territory now. <laughs> but seriously, if the boat show doesn't bring you joy but only creates in you this envy of what you don't have and what you wish you had and and, and then don't go there. Don't go there. And I think it's okay for us to laugh about those things. I mean, it helps us process, to be honest. But the reason I read that verse from James from you is to realize, in reality, it's not so much a laughing matter. There is a demonic process that is taking place behind the scenes. Why would you break from those things? It's because those things will never fulfill the growling of your soul. You know when your stomach growls? So does your soul. And those things will never fill that emptiness of your soul. Only Jesus does. What do you say in verse 13 of Philippians chapter 4? I can do. All this through him who gives me strength. Stir the sauce. Stir the sauce. Kill comparison. Let me give you a second one. Cultivate gratitude. Cultivate gratitude. And I'm, I'm choosing gratitude today because, because gratitude, right, leads the fight against envy, leads the fight against discontentment. It does. That I could be content in any and every circumstance. Somebody said, I love this definition of, of envy. Somebody put it this way. Envy is resenting God's goodness in another person's life and ignoring God's goodness in my own life. That's a great way to put it. Right? I'm resenting what God's doing in somebody else's life because I, I wish I had that. And totally missing the goodness that he has just poured into my own life. Instead, what we're saying is, I'm going to choose to see God's goodness and be grateful. Solomon, right, back in the day, none would argue he, he was the richest man in his day. Many would argue that maybe still would be. But Solomon at one point in Ecclesiastes chapter 6 put it very simply this way, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. What does that mean? It means enjoy what you have. Enjoy what's right in front of you rather than longing for what you don't have. Be thankful for what God's given you rather than longing for what somebody else has that you wish you had. And for some reason, God won't give it to you, right? 
I'm going to admit to you I am grateful that this was my study this week because there were plenty of moments this week for me to apply it. Like um, very early last week, my wife handed me this letter that was really a notice from the, the, the city that said, hey, on this particular date, which just happened to be tomorrow, the next day, um, you can't drink the, don't drink the water in your house. Don't drink the water in your house. They're going to be doing some processes around your area, going to be doing some fire hydrant stuff, and so you could make the water this, could make the water that, so you're not going to want to use any water. Well, that's kind of a pain. I was so glad that I was studying it this week. Because to be honest with you, I, I think our tendency can be, if you're tired, if you're already weary with the stuff that you're battling, you, we look at stuff like that and we go, well, that's a pain. I, okay, do we have any bottles of water? we got to go get some bottles of water. We need to fill up some pitchers because tomorrow, all, all day, all day, we're not going to be able to do that and we're going we're gonna to need some clean water. And, and, and so you got to, all the hassle that would be involved in that. Or, thank goodness I was studying this this week. It actually made me realize Man, how blessed we are that every single day in at least half the rooms of my house, I can just turn a knob or pull a lever and clean water. You know what I'm saying? But there's a choice that you make in those moments of your life where there's a ruffling or a little bit of inconvenience where you decide how you're going to choose to move forward and is it going to be with gratitude. Don't you love it when your vehicle needs to be serviced? Everybody loves that, right? My favorite moment in life is to buy tires, right? (laughs) Love that. Like, I don't know what it is, but there are a lot of other things about my vehicles that I'm okay with, but like buying tires is just like, you're just buying something that immediately is going away again. It's, it's a, so we can either just complain all the time or go, hmm, I have a vehicle. I have a vehicle which actually puts me, I think the statistics are, it actually puts me in about the top 10% of wealthy in the world which is proof to you that comparison doesn't work. Because if it did, we'd all be thrilled because we would realize, right, you're in the top 90%, but you know what we look at? The 9% who are above us. But it's a choice you make. A choice you make of whether we, we are grateful. And so, I don't know, do something crazy this week, like when you got to clean the house. Don't you love that? But when you clean the house this week, like, Thank God for everything that you touch. <laughs> might get rid of some stuff because you might like, you were like, I'm not even thankful for this. Just get rid of it, <laughs> right? But seriously, everything you touch that you're thankful for, come on, including the plumbing, right? One of the things we complain about so much is being busy. We're just so busy. Busyness is one of those things that everybody complains about but also knows it's like this badge of approval, 
Like, if you're not busy, there must be something wrong with you. But instead of complaining about it, and I realize there are moments that more is required of you than at other times. There are just moments that expectations are high, but in those moments, take the time that if you've got a family that needs to be cared for or friends that need care or work that needs to be done or maybe it's a church that gives you the opportunity to be a part of things that matter for eternity and thank God for them. If you have trouble, like me, sometimes in the middle of the day recognizing those things, I want to challenge you to create a a new habit that at the end of every day, and maybe it's the last thing you do before you go to sleep, whatever. You don't, it doesn't need to be an hour. It could be five minutes, ten minutes at the most, where you just for a moment ask God to take you back through your day and how many things were there to thank him for. Even if you only get half of them, you are cultivating a gratitude, right? You are stirring up. He said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Stir the sauce. Killing comparison, cultivating gratitude, and I got one more for you. Practice generosity. Practice generosity. You want to attack discontentment? Practice generosity. It is the context of the section of the the text that we're studying right now. You've got the Philippians who are being super generous toward Paul. Um, And I find it interesting that early in the story of the Bible, as God is dealing with his people, he teaches them very early on generosity. And some of you know this, some of you may not, in, in the beginning, there was even a, a number that got attached to that. It, it, it is often called a, a tithe because it refers to a 10% where God said, here's, I want you to be generous like this, right? And, and everything that I give you, then I want you to give 10%. Well, what was the point of that? Well, obviously, Jeff, God needs our stuff. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. The reality of Scripture records the fact he doesn't even need us. Come on, that's not why. You've got a God who loves you tremendously, who would give his life for you. It's not because he needs us. He doesn't need anything from us. He he chooses to, to, to love us. He doesn't need our money. He can make all he wants. So why did he do that? Well, here's a little part of it. Part of it is it was a reminder that it all belongs to him. So every time they would give of a portion, it was the reminder that actually the reason they have a portion is because they have it all. And the principle of Scripture is God's the owner, and we manage everything. He owns it all, and we manage, which, come on, think about it, actually makes it easier to give, doesn't it? Because it's always easier to give somebody else's stuff. And it's God who's saying, this is what I call you to. Those, those resources that he gives me, he does not give me for them to be the foundation of my security. I mean, he gives me those resources to be reminded that he is the one who, he is my security. So it reminds us. Second, it's, it's a thankfulness for what God gives us. 
when, when they would give their offering, when they would bring that regularly, it was, it was a regular, they are stirring gratitude. They are cultivating gratitude. That's what God was doing. He's, he's reminding them often there's a thankfulness that's attached. And then third, there was a provision that um, for the priests who served the people full time, those resources went to help them. It also went to help all the needy who were in in um, God's people. And so anybody that was in need, those resources would go to, to help them. And it even went to fund some of the, the things like the festivals and the gatherings that God called his people to do together. It, it was resources that took care of all those needs. Now here's what's interesting. When you, when you then transition in the Bible to what's called the New Testament, right, which is the, the second section of your Bible that you read, which is after Jesus um, uh, appears on the scene and, and he comes, his, he, he dies, he rises. When, when you read the New Testament, the language switches from a specific number that God gives to the word generosity. It just talks a lot about Generosity. Remember last week, we just referenced this one verse out of Corinthians. I'll just read it to you. It went like this in chapter 8, verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Remember that? And the point was, you realize what this means. God's not after your money. Because if he was after your money, he would be like, if you've got no gift, then it doesn't count. But that's not what he said there. He said if there was this circumstance in your life that you wanted to, right, bring a gift, but you literally had nothing. Now, he's not, he's not talking about I don't have anything because I used it all on me. He's just saying you, you wanted to help, you wanted to give, but there was nothing to give. He's like, that counts. Because he's looking at what? The heart. He's not, he's not looking at the amount that you gave. He's not looking at the money it's He's looking at the heart. We see it again in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 9. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Right? What's he talking about? The heart. The heart. So I, I just... Man, when we talk about these things, I, I want to make sure that we don't slide down some path of like turning this into, you know, God approaches this whole, hey, if you want to have something with me, then you better have your, you know, uh, account open. And if you give this much, then, then you're this much closer, right? If you, if you achieve this level, then you're this much better. I, I just, I want to make sure that God... Man, God is super clear that he's not playing any guilt games, right? He's not playing any ritual, like, check-the-box tradition stuff that goes, if you check these boxes, then you're cool. Because you could actually check the boxes, but your heart not, right? There's no willingness. There's no, there's no joy. And, and he's like, whoa, we're missing it. You're going through some actions, but your heart is not there. Every once in a while, we just, you know, that's such a big deal. I mean, for a people who call themselves heart of life, 
we, we kind of really want to make sure we understand this heart thing with God and that he's about your heart. And so I, I want to just say again, I so appreciate the, the encouragement and the feedback that we got from last week when we stirred up the, the uh, style of music a little bit last week, um, which I love this too, by the way, today. But just stirred up the music last week because, come on, it's not about the style of music. It's about your heart and Jesus, right? All right, I'm going to say this. Stop my notes. Um, at Christmas, we're choosing not to meet on Christmas. Okay? We're going to meet on Christmas Eve. Y'all, God's okay with that. But Jeff, how do you know God's okay with that? Well, there are places like Colossians chapter 2 when God goes, do you understand this new, this relationship, what I've done in you? This is not about what you eat or drink. It's not about the festivals that you have. It's not about your Sabbath days. He's like, come on, you meeting on a certain day makes you right with me? No. No. Now, does God say he wants us to gather together? Yep. And he wants us to do it regularly. But, y'all, if we met on Tuesday, you're okay with God. Because he's looking at your heart and he's looking at his people that worship together. It's okay. So, I'll tell you a little secret. Every once in a while at Heart of Life, we do stir it up a little bit. Like, we'll stir up the styles of music to remind us that it's not about styles of music, it's about Jesus. And every once in a while, and it's just every once in a while, we may not meet on a Sunday, but we're instead going to meet on a Saturday night. And you know what it reminds us? It's not about a Sunday gathering. It's about our hearts and Jesus. Okay? Sometimes you got to gently help people walk that direction. Don't be mean about it. Don't get in fights over that. Point them toward Colossians chapter 2 and have a conversation about what is a real relationship with Jesus, all right? That wasn't in here, but whatever I just messed up, I'll fix next week, all right? So, Jeff, what do I do when, when it comes to generosity? Well, check out just a couple more verses. Let's go to chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do on the first day of the week, see? Like we should always, it, it was their pattern, because of Jesus' resurrection, that they would often meet on the first day of the week. That's cool. Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. That's interesting. Let me just give you a quick little list here of what we've just read, I think. When we practice generosity, we want to make it intentional. So practice generosity intentionally. There it is. Practice generosity and make it a priority is my point. Um, what's the Friday after Thanksgiving? What do we call it? Black Friday. And then there's another day that follows a couple of days later. Cyber Monday. And then what's the day after that? Anybody know what it's called? Giving Tuesday. Yeah. Anybody recognize the order? Recognize the order. 
Now, come on, I'm not blasting any of that because you can have fun on Black Friday. That's cool. If you want to buy some people some gifts and you, you should get the best deals you can, that's fine. And if you don't actually want to go to the store and you want to do that on a Monday, I think you're even smarter if you want to do that. So that's cool. But isn't it interesting that it goes Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and then we do Giving Tuesday? And I'm afraid sometimes that's kind of the pattern of what it looks like in people's lives where it's like, whatever we got left, then we'll be generous. And man, I want to encourage you to consider what God is saying here where maybe the Tuesday needs to come first. And I'm not, I'm saying in our life, in our heart, in the way that we see what we have, that we realize, man, Paul said in one place to one church, in your severe trial, there is overflowing joy and extreme poverty that wells up in rich generosity. What an interesting statement. Overflowing joy and extreme poverty. These people had nothing. And he said the result is rich generosity. How can it be rich generosity if they're poor? It's because generosity is not about the amount. It's about the mindset, the heart set. I encourage you to be intentional when it comes to generosity. Don't let it be the last thing that you think about. Come on, when you are generous, you're not losing anything. You get to participate in what God is doing that's eternal. Second, consistently. Practice generosity consistently. He calls them, in this particular example, the first day of the week, make it a habit, make it, make it a, a rhythm, right? If there's joy and there's purpose that's attached to this, then, man, I... I, I want a life of this. So he's like, hey, stir it, stir it. Let me give you a third word. He uses the word, it's proportionately. He says, according to your income. I love that. He's not trying to put a burden on anybody. He's just saying together, this is, man, this is life that is full. I, I, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to it. It's, it's proportionate to what I've given you. And then one more word, joyfully, just to remind you. I see what this means for my heart. When I'm generous, it's speaking loudly that my heart is not attached to my wealth. Therefore, if I have a lot of wealth, I'm not going to lose sight of Jesus because my heart's not attached to this. And if I'm in need, I'm not going to lose sight of Jesus because my heart's not attached to that. It is how there can be contentment, whether it is in plenty or it is in need. It's when my wealth is not the focus. My wealth is not my security. My happiness is not tethered to how much I own. It's tethered to Jesus. So, I'm just trying to help you stir a little bit. There is um, a card that you will see around here every once in a while. There's some cards. Um, you'll see them uh, every location. It says four ways to give. The purpose of me showing you this is just to go, we have tried to make this as simple as possible for you to stir when you want to stir. So whether it's um, by mail, whether it's in person at every place, there's a box that you can literally 
um, give at. You can do it by text. The first time you text, you got to, you know, you set it up. There's a few questions, and then it's just really simple from there. You can do it online. You go to heartoflife.org, and you can give. The, the point just being we have tried to make this as simple as we possibly can. But even we can't stir for you. Like we, we can't stir for you. But you can. One more time, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Because I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Simple question today. Will you stir the sauce? <laughs> Kill comparison. Cultivate gratitude. Practice generosity. That's where life is found. That's where joy is found. Let's pray. God, I am so grateful that you make it clear. I'm so grateful that when we open your word, when we read about things like we read today, God, this is, this is, there's just no room that you leave for us to really have any grounds to turn this into something of guilt, um, any, into something of, of, um, of just ritual or, or checking boxes. God, I, I want to thank you that in all that we read today, this is about you who love us. This is about you who now live within us. This is about you who pour out strength, power. But you do call us to stir. And so God, today, we thank you for the privilege to be able to look at this together. And I'm asking that you'd help us together to walk it out right. God, that maybe there's, there's one thing, God, from what each of us have have heard you say today that today you intend for us to begin to stir. God, would you, would you give us an intentionality? Give us, give us a consistency? God, give us a joy that we, we are tired of chasing a myth. We want to follow you. So God, we're grateful. We are grateful for your love we are grateful for your provision. We are grateful for the life that we get to find in you. We celebrate it now as your people. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Amen.